Thank you, Lord. We're still talking about the born identity. Amen. Uh, better known as the born again identity. And uh, we believe that once a believer know uh, who they are in Christ, uh, they will live a life of victory. Amen. So uh, today, last week we talked about the value of identity. And this week we said we are going to be talking about the process of identity. And uh, the week after, next week, we are going to be talking about, still talking about the process of identity. And then we will conclude uh, with how to live out from a position of your identity. Amen. So today, we want to quickly give you the process of identity and the first step to living out your born identity is to number one, know your God. So if you're taking down notes, just write that down. Know your God. Know your God. The reason why we say know your God is we are trying to get you to know who your God is. And to become acquainted with Him. Amen? Because several things are competing for your attention to be God in your life. And if you don't know the one and only true God, you will not be able to live out from a position of your identity in Christ. So you must know your God. Not have a, a good idea. Know Him. You must know Him. Amen? The second thing you must do is to know yourself. Who am I? What am I here for? And what's my purpose? The third thing you have to do is to know your enemy. You must know who your enemy is. Some of you are trying to fight your bosses. Let me tell you up front, your boss is not your enemy. Some of you are trying to fight your husband or your wife. They are not your enemy. Some of you, it's your neighbor. Because they did something wrong to you. That's not your enemy. The Bible, say, the Bible says we do not wage war or fight against flesh and blood. People are not your problem. Amen. And the fourth thing you must know is uh, how to live from your position of identity. So in other words, if you're going to live out your born identity, you have to know something. Just nudge your neighbor and say, you have to know something. The reason you have to know something is simple. Those who don't know they are, cannot live who they are. Those who have an identity crisis, will be confused even in the manifestation of who they think they are. Amen. This is why we have dudes putting on makeup and carrying handbags, you know, trying to act like who they are not. It is because they are not sure who they are. Okay, I knew I wasn't going to get an amen. Because some of you sympathize. Well, the Bible doesn't. We love the sinner, but we don't love the sin. Amen. And someone has to preach about it. I might as well be the one. Amen. So you must know who you are and begin to live from that position of knowledge. Now, the reason why you must know uh, who you are in Christ 
is 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 if you don't know who you are you you have no right to go and claim the inheritance that is available for you how many of you know that god has left an inheritance for his children now every sunday when you come to church there is a reading from that inheritance when you come in here you know people open scripture and read from that inheritance and you know every now and again when there is a reading of an inheritance a few things happen one of the things that happen is that the beneficiaries don't show up to the reading of the inheritance and they still want to benefit from the inheritance but if you don't show up to the reading of the inheritance and you do not know anything about that inheritance, even though the inheritance rightfully belongs to you, you ain't getting any part of it. Amen? So the lawyers, when uh, 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 an estate uh, owner is dead and they've written out a will, they will call upon the families and say, on this date, you must all come because we are going to be reading from the will. Now, if you decide, well, I don't want to go, guess what? They are not going to stop the reading of the will because you are not there. Oh, oh, some of you will, will go to the reading of the will, get into the reading of the will and decide I'm going to take a nap while they read the will. <laughs> Amen? And then while you're sleeping, they read your parts. Well, Safara is supposed to uh, receive from this estate a $16 million home. Praise the Lord. Thank you. I receive it. Amen. But if I'm sleeping and I don't hear that, I cannot legally go and claim it. Amen. So you need to take time out to not only go to the reading of the will, after they read the will, take a part of that will, take it with you home and read it yourself. This is why we encourage you to read scriptures. Know who you are from the position of God's word. Not only who you are, what you have and what you can do. Amen? But today we're going to start with the first process of uh, uh, knowing your God. Someone say, know your God. Now quickly go with me to the book of Numbers, chapter number 23. Today we're going to deal with a few scriptures that start with the phrase, God is. Someone say, God is. These scriptures reveal to us who God really is. But sometimes for the Bible to let us know who God really is, the Bible has to tell us who God is not. For you to know who God really is, sometimes you have to know what God is not. Amen? Numbers chapter number 23 from verse 19. The prophet Balaam had been hired by a gentleman called Balak to come and curse the children of Israel. So as he was trying to curse, he opened up his mouth and proclaimed a blessing. He tried it the other time, opened his mouth, proclaimed a blessing. So the man who had hired him started getting agitated and he said, Man, I hired you to curse these people and not bless them. And you keep blessing them. What's going on? And this is what the prophet said to the man. He said, God is not a what? So for us to know who God is, we have to know first that God is not a man. So God isn't even on your level. Amen. So if God says, uh, I'm going to meet according, I'm going to meet all your needs, He has to add according to my riches in glory. Just to show you that He is not going to meet your needs according to your thinking. 
and your system. Amen? Notice the Bible starts with, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. In other words, God does not change his mind. Amen? The Bible says in Psalms 89 verse 34, God speaking, He says, My covenant I will not break, nor alter the thing that has come forth out of my mouth. In other words, God doesn't say, I bless you, oh, I was just kidding. God does not change. Amen? The Bible says He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is the most consistent being you can ever transact with. People change. Amen? People change all the time. Today they'll tell you, I love you. Tomorrow they'll say, crucify Him. They'll tell you, I've got your back. And as you turn around to give them your back, they'll stick a knife in it. People change. But guess what? I'm so blessed that we have a God who does not change. God is not a man that he should lie. Today I'm going to expose you to something. How many of you think that God can do everything? You're wrong. There's one thing God can't do. God cannot lie. Did you know that? Go with me to Hebrews. Some of you think, huh? God can't lie? Let me tell you, God can't lie even if He wanted to. It's impossible for God to lie. You know why? Because everything that proceeds out, out of His mouth is truth. So if God comes this morning, what day is it today? Sunday morning, right? If God comes in and say, uh, uh, Hello, Faith, you, how are you doing on this Wednesday evening? It will be foolish for me to say, Excuse me, sir, it's a Sunday morning. No, the Sunday morning has to change and become a Wednesday evening. Why? Because God said it. You see how foolish some of you are? God is saying, by, his by my stripes I've healed you. And you are saying, but Lord, I have pain. No, your pain has to change. And line up with God's word. You know why? Because God can't lie. If he says your needs are met according to his riches and glory, don't go and look on your bank account. Just take that truth and believe that your circumstances will change because God cannot lie. So God can't lie. He can't lie. You know, you went to this gentleman called Noah, and he said to Noah, Noah, uh, this is what I'm getting ready to do. I'm getting ready to destroy the whole earth. And uh, in the days of Noah, you must understand, there was no rain. Uh, the, the ground used to be altered from the mist from the ground. There was no rain. They'd never seen any drops of water falling from the sky. So Noah went and started preaching that to the people. He said, hey, everybody, I just spoke with God. And God told me that there's going to be rain coming on the earth. And the rain is going to destroy this whole thing and there won't be any inhabitable land for us to live. So y'all and me, we need to build a, a, a ship, an ark, so that we can go in there when the rain comes. And man, people were laughing at him. said, rain? What is rain? said, rain is drops of water coming from heaven. said, ah, Noah, did you hear what Noah said? <laughs> Noah must be smoking something. He's smoking weed, Noah. Malawi gold. Amen. <laughs> He's smoking something. They couldn't believe him. And he did that for a hundred years. One hundred years he was building and saying, There's rain coming. There's rain coming. No, you're crazy. 
But no one knew that God can't lie. If God says there's going to be a new thing coming called rain, I've never seen rain, but guess what? If God said it, I'm going to start building. And he built for 100 years. And I always wonder what went through his mind at the 43rd year. Is this rain thing really real? But guess what? He knew that God is not a man, that he should lie. God can't lie. If God says there is rain coming, there is rain coming. And in the millennial rain, the, the Bible says there is not going to be any sun. And some of you can picture that. It says there is not going to be any sun. The, 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 the glory of the, of the Lord will lit up the whole earth. There's not going to be any rivers with flowing water. There's going to be another different dimension. And guess what? I don't argue with that from a scientific limited perspective. I just take it as God's word and I believe it and become expectant. And for a hundred years, Noah was building, was, was building uh, and he built, built the ark and in a hundred years, the rain came and destroyed the whole thing. Amen? You must understand that God is not a man. That he should lie. No, a son of man, that he should change his mind. God does not change his mind. Amen? I said amen. amen. Let's go now to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 6, verse 18. Thank you, Jesus. Hebrews chapter number 6, verse 18. Watch what it says. This is how God established the covenant. He established it that by two immutable things in which it is what? I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. Come on, say it like you had breakfast. Notice what it says. It says in which it is impossible for God to lie. It's impossible. It's never heard of. God cannot lie. <laughs> this is awesome. It's impossible for God to lie. We might have, so that we might have strong consolation. We have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. So the first thing I want you to write down about knowing your God is that God is not a man. God is not a man. What does that mean? That means He is not limited by circumstances he's not limited by the environment that you and i live in there are three qualities of god that we see in scriptures number one god is omnipotent that means god is all powerful all the power belongs to god and it proceeds from the seat of god the second thing is that god is omnipresent amen that means god is everywhere at all the time the third thing we see is that God is omniscient. This means God is all-knowing. Amen? The second thing that I want you to, to write down about knowing your God, let's turn now to John chapter number 4, verse 24. So we learned that God is not a man. Amen? He's not a man. He's not dealing at your level or my level. He's dealing at His level. Hallelujah. John 4 verse 24 says, God is... I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. God is... God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. 
The Bible says in Genesis chapter number 1 verse 26. Why is this important for us to know that God is spirit? It says in Genesis 1 26, uh, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And God created man after two things. Number one, in his image, and image speaks of the nature of God. God is spirit. He is a spirit. He is not a physical being. What does that mean about you? It also means you are a spirit. You are primarily a spirit. You possess a soul and you live in a body. Even the people in the world know that. When someone dies, they still have their body, but they say they are gone. What do you mean they are gone when you still have the body? Because we know that they were not the body. You are a spirit. And you should relate with God from a spirit level. Now when God created mankind, He created him with two uh, immutable qualities. Number one, after his image. And the second thing, after his likeness. Image speaks of the nature of God. Likeness speaks of the functionality of God. God is not only a spirit, He is a speaking spirit. He created the whole universe through talking. What does that mean about you and me? You and me have been created to be speaking beings as well, to be speaking spirits. And whatsoever you say is coming at you. Well, Pastor T, I don't believe this talk, talk, talk thing. Well, it's already working for you. Well, I don't believe it works for me. It just worked. Against you. Amen? So whatever you say is creating. Why? Because you come from the very same image, the, the same fabric that God is, is where you proceed. You come from the same cloth and you also are a speaking spirit. The Bible says the power of death and life is in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat of the fruit thereof. Whatever you say is coming into effect. In fact, the psalmist wrote in one time, he said, Lord, when an evil thought comes into my head, cause me to put my hand on my mouth so that I may not say it. See, the biggest challenge we have in the church is a heart issue. It's a heart issue. You know why? Because the Bible says, uh, 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 from the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. So, so the source of the words in your mouth uh, is your heart. If we can fix your heart, what is your heart? Your heart is the way you think. If we can fix the way you think, we've changed your life. Because guess what? We'll be able to purify your words. If we can get a, a, a no-limit spirit into your heart, such that you'll be able to open your mouth and begin to speak and see possibility everywhere, We've fixed your life. Man, if you can go to a braai and people start saying, Ah, this government, you know, ah, they, they must step down, otherwise we are all gone, we are all finished. If you join in and start speaking like that, then I know where you are eating from. Oh, I knew I wasn't going to get an amen. Amen. Because if you're, feeding, if you're feeding from the word, you know that we are in this world, but we are not of it. We know that our lifestyle and what we do in this earth realm is not determined by the economy of South Africa. It is determined by the economy of heaven. 
<laughs> so it doesn't matter if they put a saint for a president or a rascal. I'm still going to prosper. Amen. That's right. You know why I can say that? Because that's what's in my heart. You have to change the way you think. Don't join in. Don't join in. Change what's in your heart, man. You go to the canteen, it's a, a breakfast time, and you're with your friends, and everyone in there is just talking against management. You know, this management, they're just eating all the money. And they never give us any. You know what you're revealing? You have no, no, no leadership bone in you, nothing at all. Because what you don't realize is one day, when you're up there, we're still going to be sitting in the canteen without you, but talking about you. But if you know that you're going there, you know what you will do? You will not join in. Because you know the same people in the canteen that are talking about management. One day I'm going to be management, they'll be talking about me. But if your heart is the heart of a pauper, you know, you just want to sweep for the rest of your days. Well, go in and join in and talk with them in the canteen. But if you know you have leadership on the inside of you, God has called you to be the head and not the tail, above only and never beneath, you will not join in when people complain. You'll not be the sore or strife. You could be the tea boy in that company, but don't join in. Because God is taking you somewhere. Amen? So what we have to do is we have to realize that we are spirit. We are spirit, primarily. Why? Because God is a spirit. And we cannot relate with God at a physical level. Don't reduce God to your senses. What does the Bible say in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7? For we walk by faith and not by? What it's simply saying is, we, we don't walk by what's based on the, on the five senses. He's not saying, you know, we, we, we walk by faith and then we have to close our eyes and not walk by sight. No, that's not what he's talking about. He's saying we, we don't, we don't, what we do is not based on the five senses. What I can touch, what I can smell, uh, taste, see, or hear. It is based on what the Word of God says. That's what, that's, that is what being spiritual is about. Did you know that? To relate with God at a spiritual level is to relate with God at the level of His Word. That's what Jesus said in John 6, verse 63. He says, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. See, the church thinks that being spiritual is being spooky. You know, when we start, hoopaloo, hoopaloo, hoopaloo. <laughs> and drink petrol and eat grass, yeah, we are being spiritual. No. When you relate with God's word, you're being spiritual. Amen. If you take, you want to be spiritual, just take God's word and do it. If it says believers will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover, when you lay hands on the sick and they recover, you're being spiritual. There's no need to be spooky. Hallelujah. And the Bible goes on to say that to be spiritually minded is life and peace. But to be carnally minded is death. What is he saying? To be word of God minded produces life and peace. To be worldly and world system minded produces death. It's as simple as that. You want to be spiritual, you want to relate with God at a spirit level, you get into his word. Now, when you got born again, your spirit became brand new. It became exactly as Jesus' spirit. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 17, As He is, so are we in this world. So your spirit is 100%. It is loaded with all the good things that pertain to life and godliness. 
but you cannot relate uh, with your spirit uh, looking in the natural mirror but you can relate with your spirit looking in the mirror of the word you want to know what your spirit looks like go into the word your spirit knows no limitations your spirit is saying let's do this let's get out of the boat let's start this business your spirit wants to go it is your flesh that is saying oh man i'm not sure man oh we got burnt the last time man i'm not sure if we can do this but your spirit is a hundred percent and uh your spirit is working at a maximum uh, uh, uh potential it knows no limitations it knows no impossibilities amen and when you start relating with god from a spirit perspective and not from a natural perspective you will know no limits yourself you can say amen to that number four hallelujah first corinthians chapter number 10 verse 13 first corinthians chapter number 10 verse 13 watch what it says no temptation has overtaken you except such is common to man but god is what i didn't hear that i didn't hear that god is faithful god is faithful now for those of you who do maths you know sister rachel and them can i replace the word is with an equal sign can i do that will it work engineers will it work i can do that right you know if i put the the equal sign in between god and faithful you know what that means that means whatever is on the other side of the equal sign is of equal value to whatever is on the other side of of the equal sign what does that mean that means god is the very embodiment of faithfulness wow. there is no inconsistency in god what does the word faithfulness mean it means we can trust him we can fully rely on him depend on him totally and without reservation he will do whatever he says he will do he is constant and he does not change that this is why god is not a respecter of persons god doesn't look from heaven and say oh yeah today they are wearing a nice shirt bless them no god does not respect people god respects the principle and that makes him consistent so whether you are black you're white you're orange you're red or purple god is still consistent if you get on his side you will win So God is faithful. And faithful is God. He does not know any other way. He is faithful. All faithfulness proceeds from God. And when you start studying your own identity, you will know that faithfulness is in your spirit. This is why you get bored that every time you are late. This is why you get bored that every time you have to lie. This is why it, it confuses you every time you want to change facts and lie and so on and so forth. They know if they keep asking you, you're gonna tell the truth because at the core of your being you're faithful because you're made from the very same fabric of faithfulness have you ever listened to these people that lie man we used to have a friend uh, back home I mean this dude would lie about everything he would lie about everything I mean you could see him walking from the other side and wherever I'm walking with I'll tell them you see to me is coming let me tell you something this guy is gonna to lie to us People are like, how do you know? Like, just watch. And you walk there and then he says, yeah, you know, yeah, 
how are you guys? You know, my back is so, uh, you know, the seat in my S class was not moving, so I had to drive it. Right now, I left it, the Mercedes is being fixed, and we're thinking, dude, your shoe has groove. <laughs> your shoe has dust on it. You possibly couldn't be driving it. But guess what? This guy just, he was just a liar, man. And there are people who just want to lie. They just want to lie. For no reason. Just tell them, hey, where are you? Ah, I'm just around the corner. They just can't tell the truth. And even when they are not late, they are on time. You just call them, yeah, where are you? I'm, I'm already here at Fonos waiting for you. Where are you? I'm just, I'm just around the corner. I can see you. I can see you. And you're looking around. You say, what do you mean you can see me? What am I wearing? Ah, you just know I can see you. And they just want to lie, man. Your default is not to lie. Your default is to be faithful, consistent, to be, to be a person that can be relied on. That's your true nature. Amen? Because God, your very Father, is faithful. Next one. First uh, Corinthians chapter number 1. Verse 2 Corinthians chapter number 9 verse 8. 2 Corinthians chapter number 9 verse 8. Thank you, Jesus. Is this helping someone so far? Watch what it says. It says, and God is what? You know what this means? That means all ability comes from God. This is why God says, you know, after you've earned all your money, bring me a part of it. Just to tell yourself that you know where all ability came from. The reason why we have to give a part of what we earn to God is so that we can stay conscious of the fact that it, we didn't do it according to our own strength. What does the Bible say in Deuteronomy 8.18? But thou shalt remember the Lord, for it is He who has given you the power to create wealth. So the reason you bring a part to Him is an acknowledgement to say, Hey! God, I know this was not according to my strength. When you keep that, you are saying, Lord, I know this was according to my strength. And guess what? If it is according to your strength, you're going to have to use your own strength to keep it. And that's a hard job. You're going to have ulcers in your stomach. Just can't keep a good meal down because you are worried if your wife takes the check card to the uh, mall. Uh, you can't even watch soccer because now you're thinking, hey, hey, hey. And the SMSs are coming in fast and furious, Baba. <laughs> and now you have to pick up the phone. Ah, hey, hey, hey. What's going on there? You know why? Because you think you're your own source. But when you realize that God is all ability, God is able. God is able. What is He able to do? He's able to make all grace abound toward you that you always, someone say always, always having all sufficiency in all things. God wants you to always have everything at all the time. Always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. God and abundance go hand in hand. Amen? The limiter is not God when it comes to your ability. The limiter is us. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians 3.20 Now unto him who is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all we can ever ask or think here is the limiter according to the power that is at work in us. 
the word according means in proportionate to the demand that you place on God. So if you put a 1,000 rand demand on God, God will deliver 1,100. And whatever you have, whatever miracles you have in your life, they are not an indication at all. They're not even a percentage of God's ability. God can do amazing things with your life. All you have to do is cooperate with Him. And this is why, you know, we have so many limitations, particularly when you accustom yourself and you're more familiar with this uh, environment, this system that we live in. You see, God sometimes even has to wait for people to go to sleep for Him to give them a dream. He wants to wait for you to stop fighting. Because He knows if He tells you all your brothers are going to bow down before you while you are awake, you will fight Him. So God has to wait for you to sleep and then He will give it to you in a dream while you are relaxed and you are not fighting. And then all you, have, all you can do is receive it. And this is why God makes us pray in tongues. If some of you <laughs> knew what you were praying for in tongues, you wouldn't pray it. Because you are speaking your business into the multi-millions, but in the natural you don't even believe it. Because you are thinking, man, I can pray millions. I can pray, pray 20,000, yeah. But millions, millions are, let others pray. So God gives you tongues. And as you shanda masheke rebosha talabasa, you remove all limitations and you tap into his ability and you start praying things that are beyond you. You start praying for your boss's job without knowing it. Because God knows you're so scared of your boss, you wouldn't even claim his job. Amen. But he brings this heavenly language and, and, and as you, God is trying to cooperate with you. He's trying to bring you to a place of no limitations. Amen. Man, this is, this is why some uh, awesome, some of the best musicians in the world will tell you, I received this while I was sleeping in a dream. Some of the best musicians, they wake up at, at, at the middle of the night and just start writing. And just start playing and just they don't know where it came from and they're just playing things that they've never played before it is god supernaturally putting or endowing his supernatural energy which is called the anointing on them and if you don't resist guess what it will begin to work through you and do amazing things i don't care who you are amen i said amen so we say god is able number four first john chapter number one verse five First John chapter number 1 verse 5 Thank you Jesus This is the message which we have heard from him And declare that God is I didn't hear that I didn't hear that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all Zero darkness in God He is the fullness of light and at the entrance of this light, the Bible says, at the entrance of this light, it, it, it brings illumination. Amen? At the entrance of God's light, it brings revelation knowledge. First John chapter number 4 verse 8. First John chapter number 4 verse 8. As we close. He who does not love does not know God, for God is... Notice the scripture did not say God has some love. 
Did you see that? It says God is love. So once you receive God in your life, you are, you've already received love. And Jesus is the full manifestation of this kind of love. See, the word love doesn't even give a full description. Sometimes the English language is so limited. See, because you can use the word love uh, uh, in all kinds of ways. You can say, I love ice cream. I love my car. I love my cat. I love my wife. And I love God. But you're talking about different kinds of love. This one is agape. It is called unconditional love. This is not the love that you have for ice cream. Amen. God is the unconditional love. And the Bible says in Galatians uh, chapter number 5 verse 6, For it is neither circumcision nor circumcision that availeth anything, anything in Christ, but faith which works by love. What is he saying? Once you catch a revelation of God's love for you, your faith will begin to work. See, when the Bible says faith works by love, he's not saying love your neighbor for your faith to work. No, that's not what he's talking about. He's saying once you receive that revelation that God is love, and that God will do anything for me because he has already done everything for me. Once you receive that revelation, you won't crank yourself to step into faith. Because you know God wants you. How many of you know that God wants you to be healed more than you want to be healed? Because He did it for you way before you got here. God wants you blessed more than you want to be blessed. God wants you to be prosperous more than you want to be prosperous. And when you catch that revelation, your faith will begin to work. Because you know you're not trying to move God with your faith, but you're trying to use your faith to move to where God is already apportioned and apprehended all of the heavenly and earthly blessings for you. So you're just apprehending that which Christ has already apprehended for you. So your faith does not move God. Your faith moves you. To where God has already moved. Because God moved. <laughs> this is awesome. God moved way before you encouraged. See, some people are trying to encourage God in prayer to move. No, God moved before you prayed. That's what we call grace. God has already moved and provided for you in grace prosperity. Way before you were here and were fasting. So God is not responding to your father, you know, I'm going to fast and encourage God and motivate God to bless me. Cut with in the bell. Amen? No. The Bible says God has already blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. God does not need motivation for him to bless you. He has already blessed you. So what does your faith do? Your faith, when it begins to work with the agape love of God, no limitations, no condemnation, and you know that God loves you, your faith will go through the roof. Amen?